With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey there, everybody. What's going on? Brendan Schaefer back here with you for another episode of Be Shafe Daily. Talking some Cardinals baseball today as St. Louis, they did it again, folks. They split another doubleheader. It seems like every time they play one of these suckers, they end up splitting. But, you know, it could always be worse. Uh, They've been in like a perpetual state of 500 baseball, it seems like, for weeks now. And that's not so bad. For the reasons that we've talked about, you know they've been up against a lot this season with the COVID situation that they had to deal with. They're on the other side of that now, but they're still feeling the ramifications of it because they've got to play all these games and they've got to fit them into a finite number of days. And so it's been a little difficult. They've been able to tread water and you never know, treading water might just end up being enough to get them into the postseason this year. But this is a big week for them because they're playing the Pittsburgh Pirates. They've got more doubleheaders coming up against this team. Two doubleheaders in three days, another three days with five baseball games to play. You have got to find a way to come out of these five with three wins. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. When they played the Brewers, they had the same situation, five games. They only won two of them. They split the doubleheaders, and then the sandwich, uh, the, the meat of the doubleheader sandwich was that very, very unfortunate 18-3 to loss that they had on Tuesday. You've got to find a way to come out of this five-gamer with Pittsburgh with three wins at a minimum because you don't want to start giving the idea to not only the Brewers but the Reds as well that you're vulnerable and that they're going to be able to get you. Because right now the Reds and Cardinals are actually separated by a thousandth of a percentage point. The Cardinals trailing the Reds technically in the division right now. Both teams are one game below 500, but because the Reds have played more games, their winning percentage is 490. The Cardinals is 489. So obviously, you know, the Cardinals are going to continue to make up games. You win these games that the Brewers, or pardon me, that the Reds don't have the opportunity to play anymore because they've already played six more games than you then that will give you the chance to to pass them back up. But the Brewers are right there on your tail as well, a game behind you and about, oh, 20 percentage points. They're 469, the Cardinals 489 as far as win percentage. So, and you've got more games left with the Brewers as well. We think that five-gamer could potentially be what ends the Cardinals' season. Going to be interesting to see if literally there's a tie as far as percent win percentage or if you're within like they kind of are now with the Reds, such a close margin will Major League Baseball then force the Cardinals to play those two games against the Detroit Tigers that have still not been scheduled. That's going to be interesting to see, Um, but words cannot adequately describe the necessity for the Cardinals to be able to beat up on Pirates starter Stephen Brault on Thursday night, and getting a good outing from Dakota Hudson will be important as well, as St. Louis wants to get off to a good start in that series. The Cardinals lineup is already out as of my recording this podcast. Uh, it's a it's an interesting one. You've got O'Neill in the cleanup spot. Molina's batting as high as fifth after batting ninth yesterday. Um, you got Brad Miller at DH. is pretty standard. He's dropped down to the sixth spot. Bader uh, is in the lineup. Ravello is batting 
eighth playing uh, right field. Again, Ron Helbervello is still in the outfield. Remember, they've optioned Lane Thomas. Uh, that happened yesterday, I think, after the recording of this podcast. So I guess I shouldn't say remember because we didn't really talk about it. Uh, the Cardinals brought Oviedo back yesterday. They optioned Thomas. They brought Junior Fernandez back. And they optioned Nabil Krismat. And they had Justin Williams there for the 29th man for the doubleheader. But I don't believe he's still going to be on the roster anymore because the 29th man, that's just kind of a one-day thing. And so you've got Ravello at this point starting in the outfield with Dylan Carlson, Lane Thomas, uh, both in Springfield, at least in spirit. I don't know that physically Lane Thomas has made his way already to Springfield. He's probably still on the taxi squad, uh, but I don't I don't know 100% exactly how that's working this week. But, yeah, it's kind of a, a strange thing. And then you've got Colton Wong batting ninth because just like Yadier Molina on Wednesday, they batted him ninth because they weren't sure – how he would react swinging a bat. He got a hit in that game, game one of the doubleheader, and then now today he's batting fifth. They're doing the same thing with Wong. He's got like an oblique situation. Uh, Obviously, neither of those guys that we thought could go on the injured list potentially ended up doing so. So that's, I guess, good news for the Cardinals, provided they're both healthy enough to actually play. We'll get to see it it from Colton Wong tonight as long as he stays in the lineup. He's scheduled to bat ninth for St. Louis. So that's kind of what the Cardinals are looking for forward to tonight Brault is a lefty uh you know a guy not great numbers up and down uh the lineup for the Cardinals necessarily Paul Goldschmidt's hit him well not uh, OPS over 900 but Paul Goldschmidt hits a lot of people well so hopefully he's able to get something done tonight as are the rest of the the Redbirds lineup but let's talk a little bit about yesterday about Wednesday and that doubleheader that the Cardinals split as I mentioned off the top um Huge, huge, absolutely fantastic, epic performance from Adam Wainwright. Had to have it, and there he was to deliver it once again. Cannot say enough about Adam Wainwright and what he has meant to this team in 2020 because with all of the chaos and all of the craziness and uncertainty that has surrounded the St. Louis Cardinals in this COVID-19 pandemic season, Adam Wainwright has been a constant. He's been huge for this team. It was the second time this year that he threw a complete game. It was really kind of funny after the the game happened. We're talking to Wainwright on Zoom, and he's talking about, you know, I feel like I felt like I threw a complete game, even though it was only seven innings. I don't guess that counts, does it? And he looks off camera, and the, the PR guy says, no, yeah, it does count. Complete game counts no matter how many innings you throw. And so he'll get that one in his record book. And he goes, it does count. Aha, it counts. It was a great, great moment from Wainwright kind of inviting a lighthearted nature to the conversation one day after there was nothing lighthearted going on in the Cardinals postgame whatsoever following that blowout loss on Tuesday. So big performance by Wainwright to be able to get it done. Started off rocky, too. He gave up that home run to Keston Hira in the first inning uh, after allowing a base hit uh, to Yelich, I believe it was. So that was a a two-run shot, and from there he just settled it down. Had another situation in the fifth inning where it was a little bit Shaky could have gone off the rails, gave up a couple of base runners in a row and had to face Yelich with two outs, got him to roll over on the second pitch that he saw, and that was it. Wainwright did not allow another base runner in the sixth or seventh inning. Don't think there was any question about it as he entered, or I should say left the sixth, with only 91 pitches that he had thrown. No doubt about it that he was going to throw that seventh inning as well. Gets the complete game for the Cardinals, um, albeit a shortened one, and counts just the same, though, in the record book as Wainwright learned yesterday so huge win only scored four runs in that first game so you can still talk about the thematic element of the offense needing to do a little bit more but when you have Wainwright on the mound sometimes four is going to be enough for you and so I think that's maybe the first time in uh it seems like 
September, I, I remember looking through and noticing that they just hadn't scored exactly four runs, hardly at all, and to where a lot of those games where they scored one and two, you're thinking, man, if they had just had four runs, they might have had a shot in this thing because they're losing three to two and two to one and things like that. And so able to get four, you can't really complain about that because they were able to get the win. But game two, you saw more of the same. They didn't score. They get shut out in seven innings. Johan Oviedo, uh, I could talk for a while about Oviedo and kind of my thoughts about him this season because you look at his numbers and you might think the fact that they've given him five starts is kind of surprising given given what the numbers are. Five starts for him, ERA of 5.47 and has pitched 24.2 innings, so not even quite five innings per start, the numbers on Oviedo. Given up even more runs than that because there have been some unearned runs mixed in. Uh, you know, 18 runs in total, giving up three homers, uh, 10 walks. But you got you got 16 strikeouts. So he's he's like the thing about Oviedo is he's not supposed to be here. Like 2020, he was not supposed to be making even even five starts in in a major league uniform, and he's done it. Made those five starts over the course of you know six weeks or whatever it's been. It's not that wasn't supposed to happen for his career trajectory. He's just 22 years old. Uh, turned 22 earlier this year in March. So like kind of right before all the pandemic stuff, he's turning 22 expectation for him is that he's going to go back to Springfield probably and get a full workload as a starter. Maybe if he does well, they'll elevate him to AAA, or perhaps you could have seen late in the season after getting, you know, four and a half, five months of work as a, as a workhorse starter in double a, maybe they would have brought him up for a cup of coffee at the end of the season out of the bullpen to the major league level, the way you've seen them do with guys like Dakota Hudson early in his career, you know that's been, it's been a common theme for the Cardinals to bring kind of their top starting pitching prospects up at the end of the year, put them in the bullpen, and see how they do get their feet wet. Instead of getting his feet wet, this has been right into the fire for Johan Oviedo, who once again I, I just don't think would have very likely he certainly wouldn't have made very many starts at the major league level, because if you had a regular year, even with the attrition that the Cardinals have experienced in their rotation throughout the season, some of that being COVID related because they had to be extra careful with guys, you would, you, you would have probably seen Austin Gomber. You would have seen, you know, Daniel Ponce de Leon. Those are guys you would have seen. You might not have seen Oviedo and certainly not in the rotation and certainly not for the, the, the volume of starts that he's gotten in such a short period of time. You look at his numbers last year, his numbers this year are actually ERA wise better than they were last year in double a 5.65 was his era in double a so as a 21 year old uh, more than three years younger last year than the average age of the competition he was facing in double a springfield he, he didn't do that great seven and eight record that's okay showing flashes as as you would expect you know the strikeout rate was there at that level 128 strikeouts in 113 innings you take that that's more than a k per inning by, by a pretty decent margin so that's great but you know overall the, the signs that he was kind of raw still at that age were there even last year in Springfield with his 5.65 earned run average. Well, this year he's got a 5.47 at, at the highest level there is. So I've been impressed by the way he's hung in there. Like last night, it didn't look great, right? He gave up six runs, gave up several runs early, four runs, and then really was able to, to get deeper into that start than you probably would have expected. Cardinals, to some extent, probably just kind of letting him, saying you're just going to have to eat this because we don't want to burn the bullpen up on a game that it doesn't look like we're going to win. 
And so, you know, and you can talk as much as you want about whether that's a good strategy or not, but Mike Schultz got to manage for not just that day, but for the future. He's talked about this before. And when you're already down four nothing as early as as they were, and the bats are looking like they were, I, I just don't I don't disagree with that to say let's see if o, Oviedo can eat some innings. Turns out he was able to do that, and then gives up another home run in the sixth to end his day. So he he gets into the sixth inning, doesn't get out of it, gives up six runs. That's not a great stat line, but I think for me I I do want to mention and note as I'm doing here that I think there's something to take away from Johan Oviedo. I've been more or less impressed with him just the way he's handled the situation and gone out there with his minimal level of experience and and hung in there against big league competition. Again, the numbers are not pretty. I'm not trying to suggest that they are, but I think you can take a lot away from from what you've seen from him and and understanding the 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 valuable experience that this has been and hopefully he'll be able to use that going forward because I think this guy's got got some moxie. I mean, you see some nasty stuff that he's able to throw doesn't always do it consistently, but you can see the 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 upside there, and you're seeing it. Uh, what what better you know, what better learning experience than than getting right in there and getting after it? Like he's had enough successes that I don't really worry about, you know, the the, the idea that well the Cardinals brought this young kid in too early and they've ruined him because they're going to shoot his confidence and he's not going to have. I don't think that's going to be the case with this guy. Like he's pretty even keeled when you when you hear him talk. I I think I think he's going to take out of this uh, something advantageous. I think it's going to be good for him in the in the long run even though it's it's not, you know, the the numbers that you'd want to see. I'm not suggesting either that he's going to be right back here next year pitching in the big league rotation. I think you might be able to bump him up to Springfield, you or pardon me to Memphis. You might even send him back to Springfield as as part of the rotation there to begin the season, but I think long term uh, this is going to be something that he can can use as as fuel, as motivation and something that he can build upon as he potentially works his way toward being a future uh, fixture in the Cardinals rotation. I still think that's in play for Johan Oviedo, even if the numbers have not uh, bore out necessarily this season. And once again, with the outing that he had yesterday, it's 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 hard to be too upset because you got to look at the offense and say, something's got to give for these guys. And we've talked about it day after day. We're bringing it up on the, on the podcast. But, that, I mean, that's the answer. That's kind of going to be the key to whether or not this team makes the postseason because, once again, the guys that are supposed to be starting and that you expected to have, like Kwon Young Kim, like Adam Wainwright, those guys are getting the job done. I, I know Flaherty just come, came off of his worst start of his career, and so it's a you know you, you might push back against that example. But outside of that game, Flaherty's been fine this year, and they've also been extra careful with him. It's I, I just don't think Jack Flaherty is somebody that you should be worried about if you're a Cardinals fan. And Mike Schilt kind of said the same thing. Uh, after the game on Tuesday, he said he worries about Jack Flaherty like he's worried about the sun coming up the next day. He's just It's just not something that he's concerned with. I don't think it should be something Cardinals fans are concerned with either. But other than that game from Flaherty, you've, you've, you've got these other guys that are really performing. The guys in your rotation that you anticipated would be there are getting the job done. And even Carlos Martinez kind of working his way back a little bit. I, I point to the fixtures that have been there the whole time in Wainwright. And I'm even going to count Kim within that as well, even though they kind of started him in the relief role and he had the, the one little 10-day stint or 14-day stint, whatever it was, on the injured list. Uh, but he's been stupendous. And Dakota Hudson, we're going to get another opportunity to see him on Thursday, but he has been everything you could have hoped that he would be and then some. You know, he, we talked about a lot about it. I mean, he's he's been, for whatever reason, and I know the reason, we've talked about the reason, 
that people anticipated him to have a, a little bit of a drop-off this year. Or in some cases, you might have seen people predict a large drop-off for Dakota Hudson, people kind of writing him off. And he had like one bad start earlier in the year and you know gave up home runs, didn't necessarily walk guys in his first outing that opening weekend. Uh, but people were like, oh, that's that's what I thought. That's what I expected to see at Dakota Hudson. I told you last year was a fluke. And then since then, he's been just like excellent ERA below three entering his start on Thursday. And so that's, I mean, that's got to be really encouraging. And it would be huge for him to put up another another similar start, get deep into the game, six or seven innings, a couple of runs at, at the most, two, three runs, be able to give the offense an opportunity to show that they can they can carry this team into the playoffs because that's what they're going to have to be asked to do. And tonight they've got the chance once again against the last last place team. Like, let's not get this twisted. The Pirates are not good. You know, the Pirates are. We thought they'd be bad, and they've they've lived up to that billing uh, so far in 2020. You absolutely have to to take care of this team. Get back to 500 by the end of this five game series because right now you're one game below. And honestly, a lot of you might be out there thinking, you know, screw that, screw winning three of five. You've got to beat the tar out of this team because they're not good. You know, this is where you got to make your money, win four of five. Look, I, that'd be great, but I'm, I'm trying to be, you know, realistic here and, and kind of operate on the side of here's what you've got to do at a minimum because in in 2020 with the way they, they have structured the postseason and evidently, if you listen to yesterday's podcast, I ranted about it at the end of the show. They're planning to continue that on into the future with the 16-team postseason beyond 2020. According to Rob Manfred, reports coming out earlier this week. I think it's a disaster. Once again, if you missed yesterday's show, just scroll down a little bit on your podcast feed, whether you're Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, anywhere you might listen to your audio podcasts. Uh, definitely subscribe to us if you've not done so already, Be Shaped Daily. But uh, scroll down and listen to yesterday's show. And if you don't want to hear about the you know disaster that was Tuesday, that's kind of the first half of the show. You can even skip ahead a little bit, and I got to the rant. In the, in the last 10 minutes or so, I, th- I feel like it was about the, the postseason, expanded postseason potentially staying. But with the way that's structured, and you're, you're, a, you're a team that's in the Cardinals position, I'm looking at it as just just keep alive, stay alive. And what you got to do to stay alive this week is win three of five. You've got to get it done one way or another. You could build yourself a little bit of a cushion if you do better than that. But if you, if you come out of this series winning two of five, I will probably for the first time this season, even including the COVID situation, through all that, I was still pretty optimistic about this team. Uh, For the first time, I will probably kind of tilt my scale toward they're not going to make the playoffs, are they? Because right now I'm still, my default assumption is that they're going to find a way to do it. And then hopefully you get into that three-game series and you throw an Adam Wainwright. If Jack Flaherty looks good, you throw a Jack Flaherty or you throw a KK or you throw even a Dakota Hudson, you've got the pitching to do this thing over a short series or a long series. The Cardinals are they are built to win in those scenarios if they produce offensively. If they don't, I mean, you saw what happened last year against the Washington Nationals. That's just going to be the way your season ends. If you get into that situation and you score, you know, five runs across three games, you're going to lose. That's just, I mean, there's no other way about it. But the Cardinals are built on the pitching side, even with questions right now to their bullpen. I still think there's a, there's an opportunity there to, to make some noise in this postseason. Even if you're matched up against the Dodgers, uh, matched up against the Padres, I'm, that might scare me a little bit more just because I think they've got some some moxie going on, uh, kind of riding the wave of you know Fernando Tatis Jr., all the things that's happened with that team this year. 
Padres, before the season, I, I, you know, I'll admit to this, I'll cop to this, because it's out there. You can find it on KMOV's website if you really wanted to go back and look at my preseason predictions. Um, I had the Cardinals actually making the World Series, which could still happen. They've certainly not looked like a World Series contender this year. A lot has happened, though. Uh, but I had them losing to the Minnesota Twins in the World Series. Twins certainly haven't done done anything to make me look silly for that prediction. The White Sox have definitely been uh, phenomenal. I believe they're actually leading the American League right now, uh, would be the one seed if the, the, the postseason were to begin today. Um, but I, I still think the Twins are going to be a team that can make some noise as well if they're able to secure their spot. So don't hate that. But from the National League perspective, I might be pushing a little more toward the Padres uh, being a team that could be really interesting down the stretch. And, like, take the Cardinals, take your fandom out for a second and just think as a baseball fan of what would be, like, really exciting, interesting to watch. Uh, an NLCS between the Dodgers and the Padres – Teams that have been hooking up all season in the NL West, I understand that. But, I mean, those are two teams with some serious firepower. And, you know, from the other side of things, the Yankees, I mean, Luke Voigt has been unbelievable. Uh, 19 home runs to lead the league as of this point. And so that, that they could certainly be a team that would be fun to watch in uh, deep into the postseason. But the White Sox as well, the Twins, like, uh, for all this, uh, you know, all that 2020 has been, in, in terms of negatives and, and not being as excited about life in general, I think that you can end up having a really exciting postseason as long as baseball is able to get there. I know they're working on solidifying the bubble so that they can have the teams in the same uh, city rather than having to travel. They're not going to have any travel days uh, for the, the postseason. To where I think the LCS series, they said, might even just be straight through. Like every night you'd be having games instead of having off days, which I think would help get the season over a little bit quicker, get everybody into the off season where, you know, you can, you can kind of regroup, recalculate and, and get ready for next season. So we'll see what happens with that. But I got to tell you out just outside of the Cardinals situation. Again, it's, I know it's hard to think about that if you're a Cardinals fan first, but I'm excited about what the baseball postseason could look like. Um, you know, the first round I've, I've lamented about, I'm not excited about that, you know, three game thing. It's going to, it, I guarantee you it'll bring about exciting moments. I just don't think it's fair to the teams that have, have have worked and built their team in order to be a, an elite contender that they've got to fight for their ass to get out of the first round in a three-game series against a, a 500 ball club. I don't think that's fair. But that doesn't mean it's not going to be exciting. It's not going to be interesting. And again, I'm I'm objective enough to realize that's why Major League Baseball is doing it. The eight teams in each league having 16 teams in total in the postseason. But that's just kind of my thoughts on, on, on the way I think this is going to shake out. I think whether the Cardinals are there or not, it's going to be interesting. But the Cardinals have got to do their darndest to get there because they've got the talent to do it, especially on the pitching side. As far as their position player group, they've got the talent to do it, and that's what the the front office has been preaching since December. But those guys that have that talent, they've got to use it right now, and they've got to find a way to win some more ball games. Otherwise, they're going to be on the outside looking in of, of a postseason in which, I say literally, but it's obviously hyperbole, but literally everybody makes the playoffs, so just go do it. That's all I've got for today, wrapping things up for the podcast. Once again, subscribe to Be Shaped Daily wherever you listen to podcasts. If you haven't done so already, go back and listen to previous episodes from this week. We've been bringing it to you hot and heavy. Uh, there's also a fantasy football episode as well. Going to probably be doing some more of those as we move along, especially into the fall once Cardinals baseball is over. This podcast feed will still be active. Uh, you'll be able to see at the top of the you know each episode, whatever the title is, whether it's a Cardinals episode or 
or a fantasy football episode, and you just listen to whatever you like. So appreciate you guys once again for being along for the ride. Until tomorrow, this has been another episode of Be Shafe Daily.